0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Now, as I said before, began to say, it is without dispute that God intended two things for man. Number one, that he be righteous. And number two, that he have dominion. Now, we see that he made Adam in the Garden of Eden with dominion. Genesis 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image. And God said, let us make man in our own image. And let them have dominion over the works of our hands. What does that mean? God never said, you can dominate or you can rule or have dominion over everybody else. He said, you can rule over the works of my hands. In other words, God intended man to be a ruler in his own life. Well, that's what Jesus restored. Jesus restored the rule and reign in our own life. That's what Romans 5.17 is all about. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace, the finished work of Jesus... And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. One translation says as kings in life. Shall reign as kings in life. Shall reign as kings in life. Where are you going to reign? You're supposed to reign in your own life. Turn with me over to Second um, Peter chapter 1. Peter starts off in verse 1 just saying I'm writing this to people of like precious faith. In other words, others that are saved. And he says in verse 2, 2 Peter 1, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, if grace means the finished work of Jesus, that means the more you find out about Jesus, the more you'll partake of what he has done for you, which is exactly what it means. Grace and peace are multiplied. The peace of God is multiplied as you find out the promises of God. You may be in turmoil about something. You may be in a condition of unrest, but then you find out what the promise of God is. And as you accept that promise, it brings rest or peace into your life. So peace grows or is increased by the knowledge of God. So is grace. So is the finished work of Jesus. Jesus doesn't do anything more than he's already done on the cross. It's just that we find out about it and partake of it. It's a part of our taking hold. Of the abundance of grace. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According. Meaning, here's why. According as his divine power hath, past tense, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now basically what he's saying is God gave you everything when you got saved. And you found out about it through the word. Whether it was the word preached by somebody or whether it was the word read. God has already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here's the adoption of sons. That he predestined. God treats you as an adult son. Everything's available to you before you ever grow into it. Everything is there. That's what he's saying. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That means every victory that you'll ever need comes through the knowledge of what Jesus has done. So instead of praying for God to do something, Oh God, turn this situation around. Oh God, make this stop. Your answer is in finding out what Jesus already did. Which is... Easy for us, if we understand that, it's easier for us to see why so much of the church world goes around not understanding why God isn't doing something in their life. Because they're spending their time saying, God, do something. He's saying, it's in the book. I've already done it. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. He's talking about the word. The power of God gave us the word of God. That by these, these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Wait a minute, I thought these guys were already saved. They are. But they're not yet partakers of the divine nature. They're saved, they're made righteous, but they're not living up to everything that Jesus had purchased for them in their lives. Well, how do we live up to what Jesus purchased for us in our lives? Through the word, the promises that are given and our knowledge, our growth in those promises. That you might be partakers. See, God not only wants you saved, he wants you to be a partaker of everything that Jesus did. Now, here's where the modern day church world has separated the things of God out and, and, and watered down Jesus' work. Because the modern day church world says that forgiveness of sins is what Jesus accomplished. Well, He did accomplish that, but that's not it. The abundance of grace is not limited by the forgiveness or limited to the forgiveness of sins. I think that's why the Bible calls it the abundance of grace. It's the forgiveness of sins and a whole lot more than that. Because the forgiveness of sins does not cause you to reign in life. It causes you to be forgiven of your sins. So there's got to be more than that. But here's where the church world stops. The church world says, no, our sins are forgiven. Thank God Jesus forgave us of our sins. And that's where they stop. And then they go through life whining and complaining and saying, I don't know why God's causing these things to happen in my life or allowing these things in my life. When God says, you can be a partaker of the divine nature. Now what does he mean divine nature? He's not just talking about something inside. He's talking about something on the inside producing something on the outside. Jesus, I think we could say, was a partaker of the divine nature. Where did he lose? What was he subject to in defeat? Nothing. Nothing. When they didn't have enough to eat, he multiplied loaves and fishes. We didn't have a way to get to the other side of the, of the sea. He walked on the water. When the storm arose to stop and hinder his progress, when he was in the boat, he stopped the storm. He was a partaker of the divine nature. So much so that everybody says, who is this guy? Well, that's a great question. Who was he? He was a righteous man who was anointed of God. And that's who he was here on the earth. He was a righteous man, anointed of God. Let me prove that to you. This, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me finish here and then we'll do that. Notice it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. It's up to you. If you're going to partake of the divine nature, it's up to you. Now, he's talking to people that are born again. He's talking to people that are going to heaven when they, when they die. Whether or not you partake of the divine nature here or reign in life here, I believe those are synonymous terms. That's up to you. Notice the next thing he says is having escaped. That's past tense. You've already escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When you got saved, you escaped the corruption that is in the world. What corruption does he mean? He's talking about spiritual death that came as a result of Adam's sin. You've already escaped that. You're born again. You're a black, precious faith as us. You're in the family of God just like we are. Peter's saying, you're saved just like I'm saved. And God gave you exceeding great and precious promises so that you might be a partaker of the divine nature. In other words, so that you might reign in life. Look with me to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. I'll start reading verse nine. Here's a prayer that Paul prays for the, uh, the church at Colossae. He said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. In other words, he prays this over and over and over again. We do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Folks, that's a great prayer to pray for yourself. That you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual. in all wisdom and spiritual understanding to this end that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. God apparently cares how you walk. God apparently cares what is produced in your life. Now, a lot of Christians don't seem to, but God seems to. Paul seems to be concerned about this, and his concern is prompted by the Holy Ghost. That you may walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. He doesn't say that you might get saved. He doesn't say that you might be worthy of salvation. No, he says you're already saved, so walk like you are. Live like you are saved. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice increasing in the knowledge of God is a part of walking worthy of the Lord. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Reigning in life doesn't mean everything's going to work out for you overnight. There are things you're going to have to be patient in. There are things you're going to have to be long-suffering in. Reigning in life does not mean the world falls down in front of you. But it means you win. So it's not all going to work out for you. It's not, as Brother Hagin said, it's not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off the tree. Whatever that is. I've never seen a cherry tree, so I don't know. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet. The word meet is the word able, which has made us able. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. How did he make us able to be a partaker of the inheritance? He made us able to be a partaker of the inheritance because we got saved. Salvation is the way that you are made able to partake of the inheritance. But whether or not you partake of the inheritance comes down to what you choose to do. It comes down to whether or not you increase in the knowledge of God. Whether or not you apply the word of God in your life. Now folks, this authority this position of authority, we've seen a couple of people through the church world and church age, I should say, uh, uh, throughout church history. We've seen a couple of people that, that that get a hold of it, and we think, "Wow, what a, a a freak of nature they are to operate in power!" But it's supposed to be the way that all of us are, and I I truly believe we're coming to a day where the increase in the knowledge of God is such. That more and more of his people exercise dominion in life.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sickness. It's on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53.5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, that's provision. That's the penalty or the uh, uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing?
0: Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church building strong spirit-filled lives through god's word
1: we know that jesus healed the sick we know he exercised dominion over uh, demons and uh, disease we know that he did many mighty works and miracles and signs and wonders and so forth and the question was nearly always the same when he would do this stuff how are you able to do this jesus dealt with this constantly The religious leaders particularly came and they said, how are you able to do this? Now, the common folks didn't ask that so much because Jesus taught them on having authority. You go back to Matthew chapter 8 and and uh, chapter 9, and it talks a lot about how Jesus taught on having authority. And the the multitudes were were blown away by this. They said, well, he doesn't teach like the scribes. The scribes say, well, it could be like this or it could be like this. We just never know. I think we got a lot of scribes in the New Testament church modern day church at least Well, yeah, the bible says this but we know of things that have happened over here so i guess we just don't know the lord works in mysterious ways but jesus taught them as having authority he didn't taught them that he he didn't teach them that he had authority he taught them as man having authority he taught them the things that we're talking about that god created man to have dominion Man lost that dominion through Adam, but he even regained a portion of that dominion through keeping of the law in the Old Testament. Now, all of that authority is restored through Jesus because he completed the law. But he had this constantly. We know of the story, the great story in Matthew, in Mark chapter 11, where Jesus curses the fig tree. we'll start in verse 13 and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves he came if haply he might find anything thereon and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet and jesus answered and said unto it no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever and his disciples heard it whose fig tree is this does somebody own this thing or is it growing wild how in the world does jesus say i'm taking authority over this fig tree If it was my fig tree, I wouldn't have been happy about this. Although, if it was my fig tree, Jesus probably would have turned to me and said, Why haven't you done something about this? Why are you growing unfruitful trees? God apparently doesn't like unfruitful stuff. So Jesus curses it. He says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Are you kidding? Seriously, Jesus? This thing didn't feed you, so you're cursing it for life? Forever? Yeah. Now, most people have idea of what they would have done in a situation like this is they would have come to a fig tree and saw that there was nothing on it and said, shoot, I was really hungry. God, come on, even trees don't produce for me. And if a voice from heaven would have said, Do something about this. Christians would have taken a knee and said, Lord, we pray that whatever your will would be concerning this tree. That, Lord, you just you just work your will. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jesus doesn't hit a knee. Jesus looks at this thing and says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. In other words, you're not doing what you were created to do, so you die. And his disciples heard it. I wonder what they thought. There goes Jesus. <laughs> Never know what that guy's going to do. Now he's talking to trees. John says, Peter, what are you going to do about this? Peter says, I'm not going to do anything. John says, I'll talk to him about it. Peter says, no, I'm closer than you are. You're not going to talk to him. If anybody talks to him, it'll be me. Thomas says, I don't believe it. (laughs) Verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember. Now Peter will say something. Peter called him to remember and said, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Like Jesus is going to be surprised. <laughs> Jesus, look, I, I heard you talk to it. I heard you curse it. Look, it's dead now. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. I love this. Jesus did not say, yes, Peter, this proves I'm the son of God. He did not say. Peter don't get the wrong idea I did something that you'll never ever be able to do. He said have faith in God. In other words he's saying yeah faith did this. Well anybody can have faith. Romans 10:17 says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You can have as much faith as you want. And you do. You have as much faith right now as you want. Oh, no, Pastor Mike, I want a lot more faith. Then why aren't you hearing the word? That's how it comes. It's the only way it comes. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith." It doesn't just work on trees. It works on mountains. Now, I personally don't believe he's saying, spend your time. And your faith trying to rearrange the topography of the earth. Let's move this mountain over here. Let's rearrange things. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about mountains of problems. I think he's talking about circumstances. Jesus cursed a circumstance of lack called a tree, and it died. Then he said in verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray. So apparently faith is connected with prayer too. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And, now he talks about lifestyle, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Folks, two points I want to make here real quickly without taking any time on it. Unforgiveness is the number one hindrance to your faith working. Okay, point number one. Point number two, God intends you to be as strong in love as you are in faith. That's what these verses are all about. If you're in unforgiveness, don't even think your faith is going to work. No need to. It's the greatest hindrance there is. But... If you deal with the unforgiveness, the individual unforgiveness that might be there, he wants you to be as strong in the love of God as you are in the faith of God. Verse 27, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him chief priests and scribes and the elders. And they said unto him, I want you to notice right on the heels of this great example of faith, this great teaching example of faith. They said, here's the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and whoever. They said unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? By what authority do you do these things? Folks, I want you to understand. Authority is always the question. When it comes to doing the things of God. It's the one thing that the devil will challenge you on. First and foremost, whenever you start stepping out to take hold of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Who gave you this authority? Who do you think you are? That's where the unworthiness comes in. You know you're not worthy. It always comes back to us. It always comes back to how we see ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, what we perceive our own abilities to be, what we perceive our own worth or value to God would be with the idea that if we are are worthy enough, then God will do something. Folks, that's not what Jesus said The principle of faith was, he did not say, if you believe, then God will do something. He said, you'll have whatever you say. He said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He's not talking about God doing something. He's talking about your faith producing. What do you think happened when Jesus cursed that fig tree? God got off the throne in heaven and ran down and made sure to do something to that tree real fast. Seriously, you think that's how heaven works? God's running back and forth to answer everybody's prayer. Seriously? No, it's your faith that produces results. Jesus is reigning in life. What he says is carried out. Now, I don't have any doubt that the angels did something. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Don't know that for sure, but could be. But they acted on his word. Because he's reigning in life. And that's these religious people's problem. And folks, it's always going to be a problem with religious people. Don't be a religious people. Because religious people have problems with authority. That's why when you step out and start taking authority over sickness and disease in your life, believe in God for healing, believe in God for prosperity or blessings or whatever, religious people will go bananas. Who do you think you are? Look at all the criticism on the word of faith people who do they think they are it's always the problem with religious people folks always, always has been always will be by what authority doest thou these things meaning the works and who gave you the authority to do these things Jesus answered and said unto them I will also ask you one question or one thing you answer me and then I will tell you by what authority I do these things I'll be glad to tell you, but you answer my question first. What's your question, Jesus? The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me that. So they go into a huddle. Religious people are always huddling up, trying to explain away the things of God. They reasoned within themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say, then why didn't you believe him? that'd be a good question. We can't answer that. Can't say that. But if we say of men... They feared the people, for all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. So if we say that it was of men, then the people will say that we're showing disrespect to John, and there's no telling what the people will do. So if we say it was from heaven, then we're in trouble. If we say it was from men, we're in trouble. We won't answer. So they answered and said unto Jesus, we cannot tell. We don't know. It's beside the point anyway. And Jesus answering said, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, folks, Jesus has answered the questions. He's saying, I have authority to do these things by the same authority John had to do what he did. The baptism of John, what was it? Was it from heaven or was it from men? What was the baptism of John? John baptized people saying, repent for one is coming. There's one coming that's mightier than I. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. I'm baptizing you in water, but he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. His message was repentance from sins. Prepare for the Lord's coming. That was John's message. Was it from heaven or was it of men? The answer is very simple. John's baptism was a baptism of men. Anointed of God. So what was Jesus' authority? What was the basis of the foundation of Jesus' authority? Man's dominion. Anointed of God. What's the basis for ours? Man restored to authority. Anointed by God. In the name of Jesus. You've got the same authority that Jesus had. And that's why the Bible says. Without dispute. That those that receive. The abundance of the finished work of Jesus. And the gift of righteousness. Thank God it's a gift. Thank God you don't have to work for it. Thank God it's a gift. Shall reign in life. By one Christ Jesus. You were born to rule in your life. You were born to rule in your life. Bible says that when Jesus was raised from the dead we were raised with him. Jesus was born again from the dead. The Bible says he was the first begotten from the dead and at the same time you were raised from the dead too. You were born again by the precious blood of Jesus to rule and reign on this earth. That's why Jesus gave us authority in his name. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike
1: Webb. So faith begins where the will of God is known. God's Word reveals His will to you. And once you know His will, there is nothing that can stop you from receiving what God has for you. That is the number one problem, the number one objection that everybody has, no matter what the area is, healing or whatever. That is the number one objection that people have. They don't know if
0: it's God's will for them. Well, how are we going to find out?
1: The answer is in the Word
0: join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.